So I'm going to read two passages for us today um, from the Bible. Um, The first one is from Luke chapter 1. So it's Luke's account of Jesus' life. Um, And this is a song that Mary sang um, in response to the news that God had given her that she gave birth to Jesus. So um, I think the passage will come up. Um, But if not, it is from Luke chapter 1, 46, if you want to read along. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Um, Our next one is from Revelation chapter 7, the last book in the Bible. We're going to read from verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Uh, For those who don't know, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the elders here. Uh, And just wondering how your lead up to Christmas is going this year. And does it feel at all like this guy's? Uh, This photo was taken, if you can see a little guy there. Uh, This photo was taken on the 21st of December in 1989. And our lighthouse keeper, Theodore Malgorn, who's a tiny little speck in the middle of that picture, is having a pretty stormy lead-up to Christmas. Uh, so this is the La Jumen uh, lighthouse off the coast of France. It's a stretch of coastline that is subject to some pretty bad storms. And on this day, there was a particularly bad storm. Photographer Jean Guichard was circling the lighthouse in a, a helicopter looking for the perfect shot. And uh, Theodore Malgorn is inside, 
and he hears a helicopter. He's being battered by this massive storm. He's waiting for someone to come rescue him. He thinks that's a, a rescue helicopter. So he steps outside just as Gishard takes a shot and just as an incredibly huge wave hits from the back of the uh, lighthouse. Uh, and he's you know, about half a second off being swept out to sea in this photo. And actually, a lot of people who see the photo believe that he died, but he actually survived. He survived this shot, but he is having a pretty wild and wet uh, lead up to Christmas, as I said. And as we come to Christmas, uh, it's that time of year where we get to see the word peace everywhere, right? Peace is all over the places and lights and decorations and cards. Peace, because we know one thing, Christmas is a time for peace. But I wonder how many of us heading into Christmas this year feel a little bit more like Theodore Malgorn stuck in the middle of that storm. Because our world feels battered, doesn't it? It's like our world is being hit by wave after wave after wave, and our lives are hit by wave after wave. And I think many of us, if we're honest, are feeling weary There is conflict, there is struggle everywhere in our world, from the big to the small. Our society is becoming more and more polarised against one another. You know, some data suggests that, yes, people are, in fact, getting angrier at each other. Um, Our world is going through COVID. It's it's facing climate change, and we're not even all on the same page about that. There's polarisation about that. Uh, We're weary from it. And then it's closer to home, right? Our families and our neighbourhoods and our work and the struggles that we have there and the anxieties that we're dealing with, it's all very wearying. And we live in a weary world, a battered world, and in a world like this, at Christmas time, talk of peace, is it just tinsel and lights? Like, is it just, you know, empty? Is it just a platitude? See, when we talk about peace at Christmas, we actually get it from the Bible, and it comes from, particularly from uh, this verse in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, which says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. Now, this is from the angel, you most of you know the story of the angel who was announcing to shepherds the birth of Jesus, and announcing to them that Jesus will bring peace. And the birth of Jesus means peace But what can that possibly mean in a world like ours? And what is peace anyway? I mean, I think if we think of the word peace, we might think of an end to war, or we we probably go to our feelings. I feel calm, I feel peaceful. The word peace in the Bible can catch those things up into it, but it's a much bigger idea. It's a much richer idea. It's got this sense of wholeness and of things being in harmony and united together. So if conflict is about elements of our lives and our world being fractured, at odds with one another, kind of jarring with each other, and we struggle against each other, struggle against the world, and we're wearied by it, then peace is about things coming back and being made a whole. The disordered things are reunited and start working in harmony again, And this leads, obviously, to a feeling of peace and calm. And it's a life of blessing. And this peace, uh, we're told, is to those on whom God's favour rests. 
This is peace to God's people, this wholeness, this harmony, this unity from the conflict, this rest from the conflict and the struggle. This is for God's people, peace, rest, blessing, and joy. And we can see this in the first passage that Mel read, uh, Mary's song, where she, as, as Mel said, is singing in response to the news that she is pregnant with Jesus. And she says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My soul praises the Lord. He lifts up the name of the Lord because of what he has done, because of what he will do. And she says, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Now, in first century Palestine, life was hard, right? And the people of Israel were struggling. They were oppressed. They were impoverished. Uh, they were heavily taxed by the Roman uh, rulers from outside, and this is not how it should have been. Throughout their history, they have received promises from God of peace and prosperity, but the proud of Rome are trampling them. But Mary says, God will scatter the proud. She says, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. Humble not being those who have a humble attitude necessarily, but those who are in a humble position those who are at the bottom, those who are at the lowest rungs of society. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. So God, uh, at, at this uh, <coughs> announcement of Jesus' birth, announcing the overturn of the order of things, this broken order of oppression, sounds pretty tumultuous, actually. And for the proud, for those who have sought peace through oppressing others and through their own pride and violence, it will be tumultuous. But for the humble, the lowly, for those who have had peace taken from them by oppression and by pride and violence, they will have their peace restored. They will be made whole. And who is this for? This is for God's chosen people. Mary says he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And this is the peace that is promised at Christmas. This is what Jesus came to do. And so your life this Christmas, if you think about the fragmented pieces of your life and of our world coming together, being made whole and working in harmony, Rest from the weariness, rest from the struggle. What's going to do that? What will that be? What have you been chasing peace in? What have you been looking for peace in? And has it worked? Has it worked? Because the message of Christmas is that peace in our world isn't found through all these things that we chase, but it will be found through us having peace with God. We're going to look at this second passage that Mel read, Revelation 7, verse 9 to 17. And most of us, we've been through a Revelation series the last few weeks. For those who haven't, uh, we're thinking about Revelation as you know, this crazy-sounding book with all this strong picture language that gives us a heavenly perspective on the events of history, on the events of the world. It's like what God sees that we can't see. And so in this passage, what we see 
The image that we're given is a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And they are standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So this huge crowd of people from all over the world standing before God's throne, and there's a Lamb on God's throne. And in the first century, a lamb, in the first century Jewish context, represented a sacrificed animal. And this is a picture of Jesus. He is on the throne of God, and before his throne are all these people, and they are living with peace with God. They are in harmony with God, right? So in in verse 10, we read that they praised him from the heart, joyfully, as a good thing. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They are declaring his goodness. They are declaring the good things he has done. This is coming out of their hearts. And he, what does he do? What does God do and what does Jesus do? Well, he will shelter them with his presence. He will protect them and cover them. He will shelter them, shepherd them. He will lead them and guide them and protect them. And he will lead them to living water. The streams of water that give life, eternal life, satisfying, whole, full, complete life. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now think about this picture, right? This is a picture of wholeness. This is a picture of harmony and of rest. This is a picture of peace between people and God. It's a beautiful picture. And it actually has a knock-on effect to the whole of life, right? It affects all of life. It's not just this compartment that's peaceful and doesn't touch anything else. Because we read that this group of people are those who have been called out of the great tribulation, the suffering and the oppression of history and of the world that is inflicted by the proud, by those who oppose God, they've come out of that. The hungry are fed. The thirsty are quenched. There's no more withering in the heat. This sounds a lot like Mary's song. It's got that kind of idea. Those who are low, those who have been downtrodden, will be brought out and lifted high. And how do they find this peace? How do they come into it? Well, it's through the blood of the sacrificed lamb that has been shed, the blood of Jesus. They've come out of the great tribulation, they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. This is why Jesus was born, to bring peace with God through his death. This is the reason we celebrate Christmas. One of the uh, common symbols of Christmas is holly. Uh, It's one of my favorite symbols of Christmas. Uh, in Australia, we just get plastic holly. Um, doesn't look that great. But in Europe, right, holly is a plant that is, people adorn their houses with at Christmas. And it's because it's a plant that blooms at Christmas. Around, around in, in winter, around Christmas time, holly blooms these red berries. And the holly leaf is thorny. It's got these thorns and, and spikes on it. And then it blossoms around Christmas time, these red berries that are reminiscent of drops of blood, and people adorn their houses with holly, well, they always did adorn their houses with holly at Christmas, to remember the crown of thorns that Jesus would wear when he grew up and was crucified. So it would kind of fit as an Easter decoration, but we do it at Christmas because that is the point of Christmas, 
That is what we are celebrating at Christmas, that Jesus was born for this purpose, that he would grow up to die to bring us peace with God. And we need Jesus to die to bring us peace with God. Why? If you have lived a bad life, if you're someone here who's just done a lot of really bad things and you've lived, you know, you've done terrible stuff, you need Jesus to have died for you. You need Jesus to have died in your place to take the the shame and the, the punishment of what you have done to reconcile you with God. But... What about if you've lived a good life? Many of us have. What about if you've done a lot of good things? What about if you've been a decent person? What about if you've you've done your best and you've cared for people and you've done right by everyone? Why would you need Jesus to die to make you peace with God? Well, you've done all these good things and you've lived this great life, okay, but has God had anything to do with it? And as you've run around being good... Have you done so for God or with God or have you done so ignoring him, the creator of the world, the one who has owned this world and rules this world? Have you uh, given him no say? And if you've been living that way, then you can't really say that you've been living with peace with God. That relationship is fractured. That relationship is broken. And when that relationship is shattered, it has ramifications for a world. It's like if you throw a rock through a window, if you throw a, and, and there's shadow lines that go through the whole thing. And when we throw a rock through our relationship with God and we have no peace with him, that's what brings shadow lines through everything, through every aspect of our life, through our entire world. Our peace is robbed from everything because we have this broken relationship with God in the middle. And so Jesus has come to bring peace to the world. He has come to make the world whole again. He has come to reorder creation, to to make it work in harmony, to bring it under his rule, so everything is back as it should be in rest and peace and blessing. And the way he has come to do that is through restoring us to peace with God. And so I want to ask you today, do you have peace with God? And do you have peace in your life, whether you call yourself a Christian or you never have? Do you know this peace? Is this peace a reality in your life? Or is it words? And can we know real peace? The Christian hope is that one day Jesus will return and we will experience perfect peace in the world, that the world will be in harmony and it will be beautiful and it will be good. But right now, the waves are coming and they're hitting, aren't they? And we have these global struggles and and struggles with the natural world. We have struggles between nations and powerful leaders oppressing and trampling one another. They have their agendas and we're caught in the middle of them, and then closer in the, in the smaller circumstances of our lives, we have difficult circumstances, we have pain, we have broken relationships, uh, pain in our families, we have inner struggles, we have anxieties and struggles within ourselves, and these things feel out of control. Uh, they, they threaten to sweep us away, and they weary us, and they batter us. But you can know real peace because of Jesus. And it's not in the absence of these waves, it's in the midst of them. You can know real peace even as these waves are crashing. 
And how can you do that? Well, how was Theodore Malgorn not swept away? Like, how did he remain standing there at the front of his uh, there? How did he remain not being swept back into the sea? And it's because as soon as the wave hit and he realized it was coming, he jumped back into the lighthouse, right? And he was interviewed years later and someone asked him, how did you feel when the wave hit? And he said, yes, well, I jumped back in. You don't want to hang around, do you? Uh, no, you don't, Theodore. No, you don't. And he jumped back in. He was safe, right, inside. And peace with God is our lighthouse. To live in harmony and unity with God, protected by him, sheltered by him, shepherded by him. If you live there, you are rock solid, even as the waves crash around you, and that is the peace of Christmas. And the other things that we look to for peace is like trying to cling on to driftwood. This will do it. Financial security or feeling connected to people in relationships or feeling accomplished or admired and respected or, or being true, true to my authentic self and free to do that. These things, they promise us you'll be peaceful and we chase them and we hang around. It doesn't work, but we stay there. I'm, I, it's going to be okay as the waves are... True peace means we live in a restored relationship with God and that means we live with God at the center of everything in our life. And the ramifications of that is we're not just hole up in a lighthouse and hang on to the end. The ramifications are that if we live with this peace within ourselves, it can't just stay within us, it will come out, it will spread and it will start to heal the cracks around us. The more we live with peace with God, the more we find ourselves becoming peacemakers in our world and healing the broken peace in our world. And so if you're not a Christian here today, if you've never come to Jesus and washed yourself through his death for you, will you make this Christmas season the time where you make peace with God? You turn to him for the first time, you acknowledge him on the throne, you come to him. We do that this Christmas. And if you are a Christian here today, are you living in peace with God? And that means you turn to him day by day. It's not just that when you became a Christian, you turn to him once, done and dusted, now back on with life. No, you live as if he is on the throne day by day in the good times and when the waves hit. He is at the centre. He is on the throne. See, peace with God day by day looks like Mary. doesn't look like Mary. It looks like Mary singing, my soul glorifies the Lord. Right? I praise, I lift up, I rejoice in the Lord looks like that multitude standing before the throne, praising him, praising him for what he has done, praising him for the good that he has done, where Jesus is at the center, not myself, and his praise is at the center. His grace and his victory being praised by myself, by other people, his name being lifted high because of what he has done, that becomes the center of my life, not myself, not my circumstances, not how things are going for me. It's counterintuitive, right? We are sold the message that if we want to live with peace, we need to hang on to that stuff and put that at the center. That will give us peace. It never does. 
We're told if we let go of that and put Jesus at the center, that'll, we'll, we'll lose ourselves, and we don't. We find real peace. And like I said before, the result of that, if we become a community who do that, then we will grow into a community of peacemakers who are impacting the world around us and the broken, shattered peace in the world around us. So will you make Jesus at the center of your every day, at the center of your thought life? Right? This is Christian meditation throughout your day, recalling the word of God and recalling what it says to you about Jesus and what he has done and who he is. In your prayers, we make our prayers Jesus-centered and not me-centered, centered on the desire, the longing for his name to be lifted high. And in our fellowship with one another, we make that fellowship, it's great to be part of church and living together, we make Jesus the center of that and not myself not where I fit here and what I do here and how important am I and how am I going here. Is Jesus' name being lifted high here. This is a life of peace with God. And this is a life that knows security and safety that will not be shaken by uh, the waves of the storms. It's the peace that Jesus has come to bring us at the first Christmas. Will you turn to him today for the first time or commit day by day, turning to Jesus, Relying, depending on him, calling out to him. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the peace that he brought us at the first Christmas. We thank you for the hope we have that one day we will experience peace perfectly. And we thank you for the truth that we can know peace, a growing peace in ourselves, whatever is going on around us because of him, that he has died to bring us into peace with you and he has died to bring peace to our world. And so we pray that you would be turning our eyes and our hearts to your son, Jesus, that he would be at the center of our lives, that we would be clinging to him on the throne and no other thing for peace and safety and security in this world. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.